Yo, what's up everybody? This is Alternate Take. I am your host, Danny Rodriguez, and welcome back to the show. That's right, baby. We brought it back. We had a few weeks off there. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, shit got crazy. You know how it is, man. It, it, I'm not going to even explain myself, dude. Who cares? Um, but we're fucking back, man. We're back and we're coming back strong, dude. We have a lot of episodes lined up in the next couple of weeks. I'm excited for you guys to hear them all, but we're kicking it off with the legend himself, Gil Carrillo. Now, Gil is a recurring guest on the podcast. He's been on twice. He is accredited with the capture of the most heinous murderer of all time, the Night Stalker himself, Richard Ramirez. He is now the co-host of the Oh My God High podcast with George Lopez. He is a legend, is what he is, and you know what? It, it was a it was an honor talking to him, man. He is uh, the most gracious and humble guy I probably fucking know, and that's just the truth. But uh, you know what? A great time. Look at look at my phone going off and shit. I'm all popular, whatever. Anyways, uh, it was a great time, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this episode, man. So, without further ado, I bring to you Gil Carrillo. Let me get that back pain again. Get your partner there to ball drag you. That'll take it away. <laughs> He's the worst, man. I don't know. I don't even know how I do business with that guy. I pay him to do the podcast. He doesn't do shit. He just stands there and brags like an asshole. But uh, what are you gonna do, anyways? Gil, this is our uh, this is our third time. Third do, time. Third time doing alternate take. In fact, uh, we were the springboard to your success. Whatever. Let's move past it. <laughs> Let's move past it. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm indebted to you for life now, brother. You're welcome. You're welcome. There's no problem. Anyways, um, this past year has been great. In fact, the last time we had you, you were just starting to like get episodes going with George on the Oh My God High podcast. And now, I mean, it's it's been fucking phenomenal. Um Tell me a little bit about that. How it's been so far this past well, year? It, it has been uh, it's been wonderful. June January fourteenth last year, they dropped the uh, documentary Night Stalker: Search for a Serial Killer. Yeah, Hunt for a Serial Killer, and uh, that dropped, and that just opened up a whole new world for me. It's yeah. something that I totally unanticipated, never expected anything like this. I remember the the director Tiller Russell, great man, legend. Uh, called me up and said, okay, it's going to drop tonight. He says, sit back and enjoy the ride. I had no idea what, what that meant. And I, I talked to him afterwards, and it, it was first time I watched the documentary. I cried. I laughed. Uh, I thought it was an excellent uh, documentary, and probably one of the few mistakes in the documentary came from my lips, and, and I caught it on the, watching it the second or third time. Uh, and that's, I said, uh, I was assigned to patrol October 1st, 1971. And that was not so. I was actually, that's the day I signed on the department. I swore in. Oh, okay. I didn't okay. get to East LA till 74. Yeah, yeah. But I said that on the tube. I said, oh, that's fucked up. That's wrong. That's my mistake. <laughs> no, that, no, no, no director. My mistake. Yeah. And uh, so uh, that dropped, and all of a sudden I started getting, I'm not a social media type guy. If you watch me on Instagram, now I don't know what the hell I'm doing half the time on that <laughs> shit. I know how to put little hearts on there saying, yeah, I liked your comment. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how to do this shit. I really don't. <laughs> and I went from doing no social media. And on uh, Facebook, 
if you weren't a personal friend of mine, you weren't going to be on my Facebook friend. I, I don't trust right. getting hacked and all that shit because I've been hacked before. So, And I don't care if you were friends of my kids. Yeah. You ain't going to come on mine because I don't know who you who you touch. Right. Well, when this movie came, all of a sudden I get bombarded with fucking requests. Not even, not just locally. I mean, from all around the world. Damn. And this program on Netflix, uh, they've never had a documentary do that, but I was uh, number one on trending for a week in the U.S., and I was number six in the world. And so I'm getting requests from all over the place. And I told them, I just explained to my wife, I said, dear, you know, I've never been in this social media stuff, but I'm just me. And I don't want people out there to think that I'm an asshole. Yeah. And I don't want them to think I'm arrogant. I'm no better than anybody else out there. And so I said, unless I find reason not to, I'm accepting everybody. So I started accepting anybody unless there was some reason in particular that I couldn't. You yeah. Know, uh, so. Uh, in fact, the last time we had you, actually, you had just did CrimeCon. Ah. You had just did CrimeCon. I'll be doing CrimeCon again coming up in uh, – in April, but only this time it's in Vegas. Oh, that's way cooler. And I asked him, I said, well, what do you want me to speak about this time? And he said, well, have you do the same thing you did last time? Because last time, because of the pandemic, we only have 1,500 uh, attendees. We are expecting in excess of 5,000 this time. Yeah. So you can go ahead and speak about the same thing you did last time because those that saw you last time were either going to want to go back and see you again or those that have never seen you are going to want to go see you. Yeah. So just same thing you talked about last time. So we'll be doing Crime Con coming up in uh, April, the end of April, beginning of May. And uh, so this shit has gone on. Then I got on Instagram, and now I've got my own little little blue tag. A little blue check mark. It yeah, looks nice. Mark. I'm, I'm an official. That's really me. There it is. I was getting so many people calling, texting me and saying, is this a real Gil Creole? How do you know? How do you prove it? And I'm sitting there writing back as diplomatic as I can, saying, I don't have to prove anything. I'm telling you it's me. You either believe it or you don't. If you don't, see ya. Yeah. You know, I, I really don't care. And uh, now I'm w well over 5,000 followers on uh, Instagram. I don't know. I'll Crazy. And that ain't just ain't me because uh, as I made reference to you today uh, or last night, text messaging back and forth, I'm nobody special. I'm just I'm just me. Yeah. And nothing's changed. I love it. So when the documentary dropped, I've paid up to this point in time four or five times good money to go see George Lopez in person. Yeah. And I love his comedy. I'm, I'm a big comedy fan. And there's nothing more important to me than laughing. Well, there is, but I can't talk about it. But uh, I love to laugh. Humor's the greatest thing for the soul there is. Yeah. Because when you're laughing, it's all positive thinking. You're not thinking of anything negative, nobody dying, nothing. Uh, what I didn't know, I learned from CrimeCon last year in Texas, there's a bunch of people out there that just like to follow this crime shit. Yeah. Mostly women, too. Women are yeah, deep in the true crime stuff. really, they're really into it. Well, to me, it's no big deal because that was my life. You know, I didn't realize there were that many people out. Well, also what I didn't realize is George Lopez is really into this stuff. And I get a phone call from a buddy of mine that says, hey, have they called you? I said, is who called you? Is who called me? And they said, well, I just heard on the radio right now George Lopez saying, anybody know Gil Carrillo? 
here's my number, have them give me a call. Oh, shit. And so I give it a call. I get a call back from George. And the first time we ever met and talked, phone call lasted 35, 45 minutes. Wow. And he was a nice guy, and he said... He wanted to try and talk me into going golfing with him. And I said, I ain't going golfing with you, George. I don't <laughs> golf. And if I go out there and golf with you, I'll turn into the comedian because all you do is laugh your ass off at me. Yeah. And he said, no, 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 come on, come on. And I said, matter of fact, I got a set of golf clubs in my garage. Somebody gave me a set to go golfing with him, and that was the last time I golfed. You know, it just I go out on the golf course now in a golf cart just to get drunk. Oh, of course. And so, but I'm not a golfer. He said, well, then why don't you talk me into why don't you come and hang out with us for a day? I said, all right. Well, I didn't realize what a hanging out meant. I thought it was just going to be him and a couple other people and sit down and shoot the shit. He gives me the address and the time, and it's the recording studio. And I said, where do you want me to sit? And it was like right there in front of the mic. Yeah. And that was the first show that I did, episode 11, with Bobby Lee. And it <sighs> Killer was, comic, it, too. It was fucking, I'm sitting there saying, Mad TV, George Lopez, what the fuck am I doing here? There, there is a part in the podcast, I was laughing my ass off. I, I posted it on our Instagram. I was like, hey, you know, shout out to Gil. We're, uh, like, Bobby Lee, is a, if, if you know him as a comedian, he's very goofy. He's very funny. And, he and like, he'll get serious, but then he'll do, like, a real funny, like, truth bomb, like, right, just to get you. He's, he's good at that. And he tries to get serious for a moment, and he asks you, like, so how are your kids? And you're like, well, one of them's a serial killer. Yeah. <laughs> I was dying laughing. Yeah. I thought that was, was he, hilarious. He, uh, he he sat there at one point in time. Uh, every comedian, that I, I've talked to so many comedians, but they all say they've all got a backstory. Yeah. And when they were young, you know, things happened they didn't like. And so uh, Bobby Lee very openly on the show says, hey, I'm still going through fucking therapy. Yeah. And he's sitting there when I'm talking about my dad and our relationship. Bobby Lee starts crying. boo hoo yeah. And finally picks up his T-shirt, exposing his bonsai. You know, he's right there. Picks up his T-shirt, doesn't give a shit who's watching, and started wiping his eyes. He says, motherfucker, stop it. You're making me fucking cry. And he's wiping the tears from his eyes. Yeah. But it was, you want to laugh at him because that that's fucking funny watching him do that. Of course, yeah. But it was a serious moment. Yeah. And so we had so much fun. Uh, the viewership on that show skyrocketed. I didn't know nothing about social media. You know, all I know is... Uh, following week, I ran over one of my catches. You can do another one? I said, yeah, George wants me to go back and do another show. Yeah. And she says, well, yeah, you see the numbers. I said, I don't know anything about fucking numbers. I don't care about numbers. Yeah. Well, I can see why he wants you back. And so, but the realities are, I don't even know if George looked at the numbers initially. We just... Yeah, that's a producer's job. Yeah, we just made a genuine bonding, a friendship. Yeah. He liked me and I liked him. And I've talked to some of his other comedic friends and his advisor, and they said, George loves you, you know, and, and he's in, and Mo, one of his good buddies, Momo, who's a... Hell of a comic, yeah. Who's a, who's a comedian in his own right. And Momo says, you know, George don't like too many motherfuckers. <laughs> he says, but he loves you. I don't care where we're at. We're talking, all of a sudden, break out in cover, and then your name comes in there. Yeah. And so he's been so good to me, and, and I, I try to tell people, He's a good man, you know, no matter what he reflects comedic-wise when he talks about cops. Yeah, and yeah. And he got into politics for a while. He doesn't do, he learned. Stay away from that pol political bullshit. Yeah. Uh, so we just, uh, it's just a fun 
you go in there, you sit down, you, and it's it's just like going in, going to a bar, four buddies, you get in there, you just start drinking and bullshitting. I love it. And that's all we do. Yeah. And I know he did it. I Some guy from uh, Tennessee wrote to me and said that he was an artist and he wanted to do a painting to my dad. Wow. And he said, would I give him permission to do it? Yeah. And I said, certainly. And just tell me when it's done and how much it costs. I'll buy it from you. I don't care what it costs. Yeah. And he said, no, this is my way of paying it forward to you for everything you've done from the time you were in the Army. This program really got to me, the part about the dad. Wow. My relationship. So he did it. So I asked George. Uh, I've been on his show two, maybe three times. And I just said, hey, George, uh, I need to ask you for a favor. And he said, what's that? I said, I need one more time on your show, just once. Let me come back one more time because this guy's doing a painting, and you come out on YouTube. I want to show the world what this guy did. And George just said, one fucking time. He said, you're my fucking co-host. There it is. And he says, no, you're, you'll be back. And that's been going on. We just dropped, I think, number 44. I started at number 11, and I've done all but three of them with him. Wow. So, and and now I talked to his uh, assistant, and uh, we're, we have a dinner come uh, scheduled, and that dinner is just three of us for dinner. It's George, myself, and, and Grant, and we're just going out to plan this coming year you know i guess i will find out when i get there you know what he wants to do he says i want to blow it up this year so i want it to be good i want to blow this thing up yeah and so we need to sit down we need to have a nice dinner and talk about it and so i told his assistant i said well i said that's a good thing i said it means he's keeping me around for another week and she says oh are you kidding me no he ain't gonna let you go you know you're the he really cares for you and yeah. So it's it's a good thing going. And for anybody, for any male or female, it doesn't make a difference. Uh, if you've ever played in a sport, I don't care. I, I, re I relate it to softball. I played so much softball. I was playing my wife. That's the only thing my wife complained about. I was playing three <laughs> nights a week. Three nights a week, full-time job, three kids. You know, can you cut back to two nights? And so She's the best. So I cut back to two. But when you play softball... Or when you go to the uh, when you go to the gym, or when you're playing, you know, football or whatever your sport is, you forget about right now. As an example, right now you're doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. You don't give two shits about anything else that's going around the world. Who's sick? Who's dying? What's up? The news. All you care about is getting your podcast done. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, when I go down to George. I don't care what kind of problems there are around the world. You get in that booth and it's, it's game like, time. That's it. You, yeah. you forget about everything else. And nobody's having as much fun as I am in there. I laugh my ass off. George is funny. He treats me good. Grant, we all get along. It, it's just, it, it's fun. Yeah. The, and the worst part about doing the show is whenever we're done, then I got to, then I get bumper to bumper traffic from Burbank all the way out to the San Gabriel Valley. Oh, shit. So, but aside from that, it's fun. And so I do that. 
I've been doing some speaking engagements, as you mentioned, CrimeCon. I've been to Dallas to do another speaking engagement. Uh, Atlanta was canceled at the last minute due to COVID. Uh, the end of this month, I'll be in Arizona. In April, I'll be in Vegas. In June, I'll be in Miami. Jesus. Uh, Fucking and, doing it. And just going around and a lot of Zooms uh, going on. I was just on a Zoom the other day. Um, Monday night or Tuesday, I was in a Zoom with uh, New York, some cop from New York. Oh, nice. And uh, it was good. But only that one, uh, I, I wasn't feeling good. And as it turns out, I had an infection going on, so I was Little, my head was a little foggy. I wasn't up to it. And finally, I was in there for about 35, 45 minutes. And I told him, I said, hey, fellas, I hate to do this to you, but, man, this ain't working right now. And you know, I'm going to have to ask you for a rain check, finish this off. because." And they let me go. And then they called me up. One of the guys texted me after it. He says, what's going on, man? You weren't looking like you normally do, and you weren't acting like you normally do. Yeah. And I said, I just don't know. So I wrote a, an apology text to him a couple of days ago. And we're gonna do the show again. We're gonna give a few months. And we're gonna do the whole shoot. And do it right. Nice. Give him another. Give him another shot at the fat kid. That's, <laughs> that's right. I was gonna ask you that too. I was gonna ask you like, what was the, what has been the most unique or very cool message you've gotten through this from like a stranger? And it sounds like the one of the painting of your dad is probably the coolest one. That but, bar none. Daniel Parks, uh, God bless you. You know, it's a beautiful, beautiful job. I look at it every day. It looks 3D. I mean, God, it, it's wow. It's brought tears in my eyes. When it when it wasn't completely done, it was about 60, 70% done. He said, I just want to see your reaction. I'm not done. And so I had my wife and my daughter standing beside behind me. And I said, okay. So on FaceTime, he let me see it. I immediately started crying, took my breath away. Wow. My wife started crying immediately. My daughter just says, Oh my God, Grandpa! She started crying. She had to run out of the room. Wow, that's how good it looked. And he's amazing. He's a nice, nice young man. And that's hanging up in my uh, that's hanging up in my living room now. That's so cool. That's oh, very powerful. It, it is uh, the the biggest message I've got. I can't tell you how. I, again, I think you've known me since you were a kid. I yeah. used to watch you pissing your pants. Uh, <laughs> matter of fact, I still do. That's all right. Yeah. Uh, One time. But uh, the biggest message I've received is from a positive side, how many Hispanics or Latinos or whatever you want to call Mexicans these mm -hmm. days uh, writing me letters of positivity that they now have somebody to look up to. They've never had a Latino to look up to. Mm -hmm. I'm a positive role model for everybody. I make them so proud. And you do this, I get a lump in my throat when I read this shit. Yeah, that's deep uh, shit. Because it is to know that I am, you know, setting somebody's goals and standards. And one of these days I want to be like, I get from cops, you know, uh, my my eye doctor, my optometrist. His best friend is a cop, I want to say in Oregon. Mm-hmm. And he asked me if I could uh, autograph a picture or a book or something for him. Yeah. So I autographed a book for him and a, and a photograph. And I gave it to the good doctor. The good doctor sent it back to his buddy. And all of a sudden, I'm getting letters from his department. You know, he's got it on his desk. 
how stoked he is, how proud he is, and you know what I've done. Wives of cops up in Northern California telling me uh, how proud they are because I took the time to answer their message and I wrote them something and their husbands who are both cops are so stoked over this stuff. So stuff like that really makes me feel good and I keep looking at the wife and I'm saying, why, you know, why is yeah. all this coming right now? And people ask me, what about the negative ones? You know, the people have something to say and, and George asked me about it and I told them, they don't bother me. Yeah. They, they, they really don't because I sit there and I laugh. Uh, People wish that, uh, how the fuck could I be alive instead of Richie? Richie deserves to be alive. I should be fucking dead. Who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. You know, and, and these are Richard Ramirez fans. Yeah, right? they're they're deep. I, yeah. And, and I understand it. So he said, how do you react to it? I said, I laugh. Because here I am at 72 years of age. I'm accomplished. I'm getting this attention. They're writing me. They're haters. And they're probably unemployed, sitting back, doing nothing more than you know, sucking on a joint or sucking on a something to drink or sucking on their thumbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Always is those people. I, I don't really care. I'm secure in my person, in my well-being. I've got insurance. I've got an income. I've got a house. I've got a family. I've got friends. I said, what do they really have? And when you stop to think about it, I actually feel sorry for them. They don't bother me at all. Yeah. So they don't. That's very true. I you know I, I think the 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 coolest part for me so far like through your journey is when um I went on a I went on a date like a couple months ago and it was kind of random I got I just we went to some like local restaurant and then I had mentioned to her earlier I was like I kind of want to go to the Bray Improv because I just like that's what I like to do on dates they do the work for you it's 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 tremendous for a guy who's just going on a date you want to make a chick laugh and you want to get her a little buzz comedy comedy does that for mm-hmm. you so you're good by the time you leave. All the edgy topics have been talked about. A lot of ice is broken. So I like going to comedy places for dates. I show up there, and it's a killer show. It's phenomenal. It's Momo. It's his partner in crime doing his thing. Um, Momo and Don Hefty. Don Hefty, yeah. And AJ then, Herrera. And, yeah, AJ. Yeah, he comes out. He uh, We had him on the podcast. He was awesome. He comes out. He does his whole uh, you know spiritual thing. It was, it was nuts. I, I was shocked at how good he was. And then they're like, have you guys seen the Night Stalker uh, series on Netflix? I'm like, in my head, I was like, get the fuck out of here. This is not happening. And like, well, the guy who caught the night, he's coming back off stage right now. And I was like, this is just like, I wasn't even going to show up today. I really wasn't. I was like, I'll think about it, whatever. I didn't know you were doing the show, nothing. I didn't know anything about it. So that was really cool because I was like, holy shit, man. This is like, this is nuts. Because I remember, you know, I remember how it all started. I remember calling you like a year before the documentary came out. And I said, hey. You know, like you've always been a, a legend to me. I've heard just crazy stories. I'd love to hear them all. And you're like, yeah, give it some time. Once the documentary comes out, we'll do it. Then the documentary comes out. We already heard how that happened. And then, you know, now you're on Bray Improv stage doing your thing. And I was like, yeah, that's a friend of mine. And she's like, yeah. get the fuck out of here. <laughs> get the fuck out of here. The guy who caught the nice locker. And I was like, bitch. I was like, yeah, that's my friend. I was like, what are you talking shit for? And I was like, I'll call him after. I was like, I'm sure he's. I'm sure if he's not busy, he'll be, you know, able to come out and say hello and take a picture or whatever. And and uh, you did. It was cool. It made me look like a superstar. It was awesome. But yeah, that's that's how. That's when it really hit me. I was like, oh shit! Like Gil's Gil's doing the damn thing. That's crazy. Yeah, it and it is, happened uh, that fast. It it was fun, and I've become good friends with Momo. Matter of fact, I may be out with Momo tonight. Nice. Uh, and I'm supposed to be with him. Supposed to be with him tonight. We're going to a fundraiser. 
And then on the 27th, he'll be back at the Bray Improv, I think. Oh, I'd love to go. Yeah, he'll be back at the Bray Improv. So he's already said, come on back. You know, yeah, come of on, course. Come on back. So I'll go back there. Uh, some some female, I won't say some broad because that will make me sound sexist. <laughs> some female, uh, Griselda, Griselda, I can't remember her name. I apologize to you where you're out there. Uh she asked me if I do a podcast with her. Okay. So I did a podcast for her, and she's friends with Momo. And after the show that night that you went, yeah, I went because I was supposed to go have drinks with Momo after at uh, some place, the Yard House, or yeah, some, right next door, right next door, someplace yeah. there. And so she called me up, and we talk. She gets me through Instagram, and we talk. And I said, okay, I'll do the podcast. Well, then I talked to her on the phone. She was supposed to go. She was at that show. Okay. And she was supposed to. She was waiting to hear from Momo. Momo was waiting to hear from her. And they didn't touch bases. She left. Then she found out that I was there. And she just wants to meet. She wants to go out. And uh, she says, you know, you, I owe you dinner. I want to take you. I said, you don't owe me nothing. Yeah. This was just a podcast. And so I will be telling her. I'll get in touch with her and let her know that uh, – on the twenty seventh, we'll be back there. She's local, so hell yeah, she'll probably uh, show up, and I'll get to meet her for the first time. She'll meet me, and she's friends with Momo, and everything will be legit. And she doesn't know me nothing; just a nice gal. Isn't that like the coolest part about podcasting? Is you just get to meet people, and you get to talk to them, and then next thing you know, like the, now they're now like we're not necessarily like best friend, but like I know you. We're friends. You can give you give them a call. Talk to them about things. That's that's been the most humbling and coolest part of this shit I've ever done. The uh, I did. Uh, I went out with George. He wanted me to go with him to the uh, George Lopez Celebrity Golf Tournament. Oh, and, I saw the pictures. Dear God. And and I'm sitting there saying, okay, you know, I just go along with him. Yeah, all right. And then I started thinking about it more. I said, George. And then I text him. I said, I don't want. I don't want to go because you see. George, yes, we're friends, but now, you know, thinking in my mind and my heart, George, yeah, we're friends, but, like, you're a multi-gazillionaire. Right. And and my standards are right here at, you know, Pio Pico Disneyland, you know. I, that, yeah. That, there ain't nothing Stakenstein's there. top of the line, uh, yeah, right? Like, <laughs> shit. Sizzler, brother. <laughs> and so he mentions he wants me to go, and I said, I don't want to go. I, I feel uncomfortable. You're going to be there with all your celebrity friends. Those are your friends. You know, I don't hang around them. I don't want to be a pain in your ass that day. Yeah, no one likes to be part of a leash. You don't want to yeah, feel like that. And, it's and so fucking, I, I yeah. didn't want to feel like that, and he assured me. He says, no, people do want to see you. He says, you come out. I want you with me. Wow. So I said, all right. So I, I got there, and I was intimidated. I, that's the first time I told the wife, I'm actually nervous going to the golf tournament. Brother, I don't hang around these golf places, but it's a private golf club. Right. So you got to wear a certain type of shirt. You can't wear just any cargo shorts. You can't do this. You can't do that. You can't wear your hat on backwards. You can't do a lot of stuff. They monitor. I had to go out and buy me clothes just to get on their golf course. Oh, shit. And uh, so I get out there. And I remember driving up, and there were about four or five cars in front of me, security stopping everybody. And all of a sudden, somebody looks, oh, no, no, not that car. That's Gil Carrillo. Come on. 
and he pulls me out of line and says, you go around here and just follow that man. They'll follow the, They'll tell you where to go. Wow. So I said, well, okay. So I go around there, and they take me right up to the front, valet parking. And as I'm pulling up, I hear somebody say, that's Gil Carrillo. Hurry up, everybody. And, I mean, people are moving around in a hurry. They let me out. They park my car probably 20 yards away from where they dropped me off, if that far. And now I'm there, but I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be hanging on to George's coattails. Yeah, of course. So so what do I do? And then finally I I do see George, and he says, hey, come here. You know, there's a hug. And then he starts introducing me to people. And I'm sitting there saying, fuck me. That's Joe Pesci. Oh, my God. My absolute fucking hero. That's Cedric the Entertainer. Jesus. That's D.L. Hughley. You know, I, uh, Adrian Gonzalez from the Dodgers. Like absolute legend. And he says, hey, Gil, you might recognize this guy. Look around. I said, Mr. Gonzalez. I mean, I, I'm, I don't know this guy as Adrian. Yeah. To me, that's Mr. Gonzalez. Right. I don't care if he's younger than I am. And he says, hey, how you doing? I said, God, what an honor. I, I'm so stoked meeting you. I said, and the last time uh, I got a tour, I can remember seeing you sitting inside the locker room, your headset's on, you got shorts on, your feet are up, and you guys are getting ready. You're just chilling before the game. And he smiled. He says, oh, yeah, yeah. That was, I said, yeah, I was there. I said, and that was the year you guys won it because the following couple of days later, I, I'm in Arizona to watch you guys play. You clinched over. That's when you went and you jumped in the swimming pool. That's right. And he started laughing. He says, oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. So <laughs> that shit was awesome. I'm meeting these people, and I'm saying, Okay, well, I, they don't know me from apple butter. You know, they don't give a shit. But in the foursome is Hughley, Cedric, and Pesci. Jesus. Along with George. And I'm just riding around with George in the uh, – we're one of three open-aired golf carts. There's no roof on ours. Okay. And Hughley and, – and I'll never forget DL and – there's no doubt in my mind, he'll be my friend forever. Yeah. You know, he, he just, he came up to me, I'm introduced to him, and he says, I need to talk to you. I said, all right. And he says, I want you to know, he says, I don't like most cops. Oh, I I, I know that from his and social said, media. He's deep. I said, okay, that's cool. Didn't bother me. I don't care. Yeah. And he looks at me, he says, matter of fact, he says, I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I hate most motherfucking cops. <laughs> I said, all right, that's cool. I don't care. Yeah. He said, but you're different. He says, I ain't never met a cop that talks like you, that acts like you. He says, you're just cool. He says, let me tell you something else. You, li- I listen to every podcast George puts out. He says, and you and him are a natural together. You, you, you make it together. You mm-hmm. compliment each other. Hot and cold. He says, and then George told me, you ain't never done this shit. And I said, no, this just, he says, you're good, brother. He says, you guys got chemistry. Keep it up. Yeah. And all day long, he kept on me about hydrating. He wasn't concerned. I wasn't drinking. He just wanted to make sure that I was drinking plenty of water because I'm exposed to the sun. I'm out there all day. And he was truly concerned about me. Right. And I'll, I'll never forget that. You know, that was, I don't care how bad he hates cops. I hate most motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> but he was good to me. Cedric was just funny and nice. Joe Pesci, 
Joe Pesci was just like you, you ripped him out of the TV and put him right there on the golf course. No way. Same fucking thing. That's my cousin Vinny right there. I but swear to God. Funny about everything. Matter of fact, last week or two weeks ago, there was an episode, and I even forget who our guest was because the other thing about these podcasts, I don't listen to them. Yeah. You know, Isn't I, it weird to listen to yourself? It's, yeah, it's I don't uncomfortable, go, right? I don't go back and listen to anything I've ever done. Yeah. Once in a while, I'll pick up. If I want to hear something again, you know, listen to what I said. I'll listen to pieces. But last week, either last week or two weeks ago, it has to be the funniest show that we've done. And we had uh, George is doing impressions of Joe Pesci and Jack Nicholson together. <laughs> oh, God damn, it was so funny. It was so funny, and I couldn't. And he and he was good at it. Yeah. And he says, "I'm not an impression. Oh, fuck you. You're good. Yeah. It really was good. It really was funny. Uh, and he went with it. So now we're gonna. Uh, I don't know who we've got coming. Some somebody named David Cross. Uh, I was watching him this morning. Wow. Uh, to study, but it's it's all been. Uh, it's all been good. Man. It's it's funny because those guys all played a huge role in my life when I was a kid as to the kind of person I wanted to be when I got older. I remember when I first saw my cousin Vinny, I was like, I want to be a Gambini so fucking yeah. bad. I want to just be like a professional arguer. I want to give people up, but I want to be smart. I want to be knowledgeable in my craft, but I want to have personality behind it. That's what I got from that role. It was just phenomenal. He was, you know, his role is in my cousin Vinny. You look at him and... Uh... The Christmas movie, the Home, Home Alone. Alone. Yeah. You know, what he did there, Casino. Oh, Jesus you Christ. Know, uh, the Goodfellas, the, the, what he's done from the comedy to this, it's, it's wonderful. And, and then you meet him and it's like, okay, here, plug him in. It's right out of character. Yeah. Lethal Weapon. Are yeah. you kidding me? I loved his role yes. in Lethal Weapon. It was hilarious. It, it was just, uh, so many. I can't think of a bad movie he's been in. That yeah. I haven't loved and laughed my ass off. Yeah, and and so to be with these guys, and George just made me feel like I was one of the fellas. And and at one point in time during that afternoon, uh, somebody that was part of the uh, workforce there had a booth giving you know giving away either booze or food or something. I don't want to mention what it was, but he was he was there a supporter, right? And George had told him. Uh, hey, if you get done early, bring your clubs. Come out and join us. And so we're about halfway through the course. I don't know. And the guy comes out. He says, hey, George, I broke away. I got my clubs. He says, okay, good. Go back and get yourself a golf cart now. They'll give you a golf cart. Just tell me you need a golf cart. Come on out and join us. And then he looked and he says, well, hey, that's your security behind you, right? And George said, yeah. He says, well, do you mind if I ride with him? He said, no, go ahead. Fucking ride with him. And so the guy went back to get in his car, and I looked at George. I said, I'm thinking to myself, this is Gil Carrillo. Hey, that's business. This ain't, I ain't no business, you know, I'm just a friend. Right. And so I told him, I said, hey, George, I'll get out and I'll go ride with security. You know, you can have that guy. He says, no, you ain't getting this car, you ain't getting out of this car for nobody. That's your fucking seat. You're with me. Yeah. And so I said, fuck. You know, he he just makes me feel... uh like a friend, it makes me feel good. I think there's a part of it too, like when you're when you're a kid, and I don't think this goes away when you even become an adult. I think I think deep down, as much as people want to either hate cops or or, or 
be annoyed by them. I think everyone wants to be friends with a cool cop. I think everyone does. I don't, I don't think that ever goes away. I think you think that when you're little. I think you think that when you're older. Like, I think when you finally get down to the, you know, to the bones of somebody and they, and they show you who you are, it's like it's it's super cool because you're a dude with power. And then when you show that you're just a normal person, it, it's like it liberates that person. It's almost like a, it's almost like a like a referee in basketball when he makes a joke, the whole everyone like LeBron James, everyone, anyone who's a superstar will die laughing because you're supposed to be so down the middle, you know, so narrow and you're not you're not supposed to be on any side about shit. And then when you finally break character just for one little brief moment and you're like, "Wow, that's who I really am." You say a little joke, it kills everybody. I think everyone wants to be friends with a power structure when when especially when they're humble like you. It's just part of life. It's cool. Yeah. It feels good. It's it's cool. It's cool knowing me. <laughs> I like myself. <laughs> I just have fun. I can entertain myself. Nobody around me. I'll make myself laugh. No shit, huh? I honestly too. I, I was going to mention that when they said that you're a natural at the podcasting thing. I don't think they realize how much of that has to do with your gig when you're working. I mean, you're doing interviews all the fucking time. Mm -hmm. You're in court all the fucking time. You already had the pressure of a microphone in front of you, and that's what the law. That's even fucking scarier. That's what the yeah. judge, and that's where you're going over your reports. You're prepping. This is this is already. This is, this is shit for you. This is just fun. The the first time I did the show with George, when Bobby Lee was on there, Bobby Lee says, hey, were you nervous coming down here to meet George? And I said, no, not at all. Mm -hmm. I said, I wasn't. George, nothing more than human, just like you. I said, was I excited? Yes. I was excited because I was meeting somebody that I paid good money to see. This is a real entertainer. And I said, I would never have access to anything like this before. I said, and now I'm being, in, I get introduced to him. I said I was excited, nervous, absolutely not. Right. Nobody makes me nervous, you know. Right. I, although I was nervous going to the going to the golf tournament, you know, I was going to be at it, totally out of my element. Right. I was going to be all by myself. And as it turned out, it was just the opposite. It was a day I'll never forget. It was a great day. Yeah. And I told George, I said, next year if I'm still around, I said I'm going to get me a hotel room, you know, nearby. That way I can have Do it a good right time way. and get drunk and yeah. not have to worry about it. I can Uber to my hotel room and back. He said, fuck it, leave your car here. I'll have my driver take you home tonight. I said, nah, I ain't going to leave my car here. You know, I, I'll make it. Didn't, this wasn't planned. I'll just do what I got to do, but I'll make it home. Wow. You know? So damn cool. So now that we've uh, we've done the Oh My God High, with this next year, because it just started, like you said, um, what do you think is gonna? What do you think you guys are gonna reach this year? In other words, like this past year, I saw some cool guests. I saw, I saw you guys did uh, Santino, Andrew Santino. He's a hell of a comic. Uh, I saw Polly Shore. I saw Oscar De La Hoya. So you guys are hitting like, you know, good levels of good shit. You know, it's I, it's like what we do with this podcast too. I try to make sure I get everywhere from all walks of life because that's what I'm interested in. It's not even it's not even like an effort to be diverse. It's you're just into what you're into. And obviously George is into sports. He's into comedy. So like. What do you think is the the next goal for this year? I'm really looking forward to this business dinner because, see, although I've never done podcasts and I'm not in the same category as any of the people you've mentioned, to include George. I'm just a rumpkin. But I started playing sax, and I was playing gigs since I was 16 years old. That's right. So I played to the public, and I learned about entertainment. And if you go to a all-white comedy store and you start telling Mexican jokes, you're not going to get a lot of laughs. Yeah, you got to you gotta know, you know your, your audience. audience. Yeah. Audience number one, they're following George, in my opinion, 
not because of his intellect. They're following because of his comedy. Right. And yeah, so of course. that's the audience you got to play to. And you bring the intellect. I think that's and, why and it works. And, and so what does it take to win? And that's what we'll discuss. You know, they're allowing me to go to this, you know, to discussing. So they obviously want maybe a little bit of my input. And once I give it, they'll probably say, I oh, shut the fuck up. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. But you, you have to know your, in my opinion, so America, this is solely my opinion. Uh, you have to know the audience you're playing for. So what makes your numbers go up? And numbers, it appears, go up immensely when he has other comedians on there, well-known comedians. And right, that stuff. always. Funny. Uh I get a lot of requests because someone like George, who I don't know how, I have no idea how many hundreds of thousands of followers he gets, but George is of the stature where he doesn't answer his, he's got somebody else looking at his Instagram uh, comment. He's got, a, he's got a personal one, but he, right. for the most part, he's got people helping him do his Instagram. Right. This Mexican, the old-fashioned way, he still does his own shit. That's right. And, and so uh, I get a lot of requests Say, hey, tell George this. Tell George, like, I'm the conduit. Right. And I'm supposed to jump every time, you know, one of these people call. You know, hey, you got to get this person. You got to get this person. Yeah. Tell them to stop doing this. So I don't pay attention to a lot of that stuff. That's their job, you know, to do what they want to do with the show. Uh, but in in watching the trend, I would think that we get more followings with things that make you happy, that make you laugh. Right, of course. As opposed to serious topics. You know, they may be serious to the real world, but to the followers of George, maybe not so much. You know, if they had, let us say, George Gascon. Oh, my God. Please don't. I hate that motherfucker. Okay, so now people don't people don't give a shit about outside of LA County about Georgia Gascon. Right. Controversial here in LA County, but not around the United States or around the world where people are listening to this stuff. Yeah. I think he's getting there on the fame level cuz everyone knows like the uh, like in terms of DAs, he's the most famous one in the world for sure, or at least the country, I mean. Um but he's getting up there. It's I was going to ask you about that too. I wanted to ask like because, uh, you know, I think people will be very interested to see what you think about current society now and how it would be being a homicide detective at this at this point because um, it's it's very different. It's very different George right now. Gascon, and, and I'm not going to uh, – I'll be as diplomatic as I can. Uh, George Gascon nauseates me. Yeah, same here. He, he gets me sick to my stomach. Uh, for him to come in – and and I, and I felt the same way about uh, shit. Who's our governor, right? Uh, Newsom. 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 The first thing he did was, I mean, the people of the state of California voted for the death penalty, right? And all of a sudden, we get a governor that steps up there and says, "I know you all voted for him, but it goes against my feelings. You guys are all wrong, and I'm right. So here it is. Absolute tyranny. So that was that was not good. Right. That was not good. If the people would have said, we don't want the death penalty, and he reinstated it, 
that would have been just as wrong. Of course, yeah. You know, so you, you, you can't – once you start going against the will of the people, that is not good because it makes the people feel worthless. Okay, so I vote. What good is my vote? Now you get Gus going in there who's going to uh, make social change. And so you have a family two months ago where four people in one family are killed. And and the guy that is responsible for it is going to get charged with murder, simple murder, and nothing else. No special circumstances, no nothing. And it's so disappointing. This off-duty LAPD officer that got killed. Yeah, night. recently. Now, he's got four people, and he's got murder, which is 25 to life in and of itself. He's got an officer, special circumstances, so now it jumps up to possibility of life without eligibility parole and or death. Then you've got robbery, which is an enhancement, making it a special circumstance. Of course. Also, again, life without or death. You've got guns used, another five-year minimal enhancement. You've got a, a gang member, another five-year minimal enhancement. So if you put all those enhancements and everything together, very minimally he's going to get 40 to life if he's convicted, even if they don't give him LWAP or if they don't give him the death penalty, 40 to life, which means he'd be eligible for parole in 30 years. And so now if filed under Gascon, they'll file simple murder. Just one charge. One charge. And so he'd get 25 to life, eligible for parole in 15. So that kind of sucks on a man that was out there trying to defend, give up his life for other residents of Los Angeles County. Correct. Yeah. It's unconscionable. So Sheriff Alex Villanueva, understanding this, you're a good buddy. Who has never pulled any punches. I'd walk around with a can of Brasso just wiping those things because he's a strong man. He's a man of conviction with all the pressure in the world on him because the Board of Supervisors doesn't like him. Yeah, I've heard and, some bad things about them too. And, yeah. and, and so uh, he decides, I'm not going to take it to you, Mr. Gascone. We're going to talk to the feds. And the feds said... We still have a death penalty, and we have life without eligibility parole. So if we convict them of these things that are alleging under the RICO Act because Florencia is a business entity, then very minimally he'll get they'll get life without eligibility parole. Wow. So in your face, Mr. Guscone, we don't need you for this. Right. We'll do it over here. Totally unheard of. Yeah, totally. I've, ne- I've never heard of that before, totally. ever. Last time, last time I— that I can remember, and I may be wrong, was the Hillside Strangler case. When the, at that time, the district attorney didn't think there was enough evidence, and U.S. attorney thought there was, they took over the case and they they convicted him. You know, uh, so bottom line, Gascon is totally worthless. He really is. It's so unfortunate. And so now... You see the things as simple as the railroad 
all oh these burgers God. on the trains, and they're finally misdemeanors. That's all they're doing with them. So you get them in, sight them out, let them go. That's it. And that's it. So now it's going to be interesting to find out because Union Pacific has written Gascona letter that has said, hey, you're going to have to start doing stuff or we'll just stop coming and serving L.A. County. We'll change ports. You yeah, know, we're a business. We can't keep yeah, losing money this way. Exactly. Newsom was out there yesterday saying, okay, no, we definitely have to do something about this to stop this. Newsom's going to, I'm sure, uh, going to try and do something, but at least he's bringing in Highway Patrol to do something that is not Highway Patrol related. Right. I mean, it's dude, It's that dude's policies that led to this shit in the first place. Him trying to act like a hero, mm-hmm. being like, I'll fix it. It's your re- You're the reason this is happening, man. So now he's he's trying to clean it up, uh, but all things uh, considered, uh, hopefully the election coming up this coming year, Alex Villanueva will win. Alex Villanueva wins. That means not many people have trust in Gascon. Mark Ridley Thomas, who was a former board supervisor, he's already under indictment. Garcetti's already thrown him under the bus. Not protecting him, just saying, "Hey, we can't tolerate people that are doing this stuff in our in our government." Mark Ridley Thomas is a guy that nominated the ultimate appointed person that's the inspector general overseeing the sheriff's department. So we're going to find out, and Hilda Solis, one of his major backers, all of a sudden we're going to find out that they're not as strong as they thought they were going to be. And I'm hoping the residents of Los Angeles County wake up get Villanueva in there to show the Board of Supervisors not running him out of Dodge, clean up your act, or you're going to go to prison just like Mark Ridley Thomas, and you're losing votes. And so that's what it all amounts to, and hopefully he will prevail in the end. Yeah, I hope so. I and, and I know Gil Carrillo will be standing next to him when, upon victory night. 100%. Yeah, I've never met him. I've heard great things. And uh, I, think, I think the biggest issue of it all is – the amount of celebrities that that back the the problems of everyday like Americans in LA and thinking they have their best interests that was the biggest problem like when Gascon was running I saw I saw John Legend I saw Kim Kardashian I saw I don't know 30 other celebrities saying you got to get this guy he's going to make a difference mm-hmm. and every other normal thinking Americans like you're fucking high dude like you live in Beverly Hills this guy's going to fuck our shit up and we knew that in advance but guess what when you tell when, when Kim Kardashian is telling you to vote for this guy uh, then you're going to just do it you don't you know, it's a see, big issue. You don't see anybody standing up in public, at least I haven't, standing up in public forum lately. No. I'm like, hey, where's your backing now? Why, can't, yeah. Or at least come out and just say, I fucked up. I thought it was the right choice. Clearly I was wrong. My bad on that. Then people will respect you for that. But, like, you're just – now you're hiding, you know? And then we know in a month from now you're going to do it again with another person who has the same exact shit. It, that's the part that really bugs me because I think they're going to do it again probably – Maybe with the with the sheriff running again, they're gonna say no. We got to get another one, and it's like no. The current one is doing great, and like you wouldn't know because you're not around here. Like you're not hanging out in downtown LA. You know you're in the other part of LA where it's nice, and and and, and as long as your shit's good over there, then mind your business. But like you have nothing to do with this. The sheriff's doing a great job. Let him do what he has to do. He's doing great. You know, but that that's the part that worries me is because there's a lot of impressionable voters who just will just do whatever the trend is. You know the sheep, and that's that's how people win elections now. It's very strange. Well, I'm just hoping they come to their senses, and there's enough positive publicity in the end. And he's done stuff with the homeless. He's working now on Alvera Street, yeah, uh, trying to clean that up. So he's he's done, he's done good. 
Yeah, I'm hoping so. Hopefully it turns around. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do, man? I mean, like, all you can really do is just focus on what you got going on and and and, and have a gun. <laughs> Wear your mask. <laughs> yeah, all that shit. It's crazy. Anyways, um, Gil, I promised you an hour. We did an hour. It's been great. It's been great. It's all your time, shit. Yeah, no, no, this has been perfect. I, I wanted to bring you in and catch up on uh, all things Oh My God High, get your take on modern society, what what people can do to protect themselves, or at least your view as a hom- former homicide detective. And uh, it's been a journey. You know, we'll, we'll do this again. I, I hope so. Can we continue uh, to carry this torch and run it on? And thing is, all is not lost in the world. We're doing good, and we just got to keep making people laugh. And if we can do that, it's all good. That's it. Next celebrity golf tournament I have, I'll invite you. Just make sure, <laughs> don't embarrass me, all right? Make sure, you know, dress sharp and all those things. Joe Pesci's going to be there. My cousin Vinny. It's going to be awesome. There you go. All well, right. thank you, Mr. Uh, Alternate Take. That's me. It's fun being here. Always a pleasure. And good luck. Yes, sir. Thank you. This is Alternate Take. I'll see you guys later. Peace. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen, our interview with the legendary Gil Carrillo. Thanks again for coming on the show, Gil. It's always appreciated, man. I, I swear one day you're going to become mayor or president one day, and you better hire me just to fucking stand around and do nothing. That'd be an honor. <clears throat> and um, for all of you guys out there who have not seen the uh, Netflix documentary, The Night Stalker, you're stupid. So correct that ignorance and go watch it because it's phenomenal. And also go check out the Oh My God High podcast with George Lopez, which, as we said, Gil is the co-host on. Phenomenal stuff. JB, you got any closing words? Yeah, no, great stuff as always. It's always a, a pleasure and an honor to have Gil around the house. Another, uh, It's not too often I get another intelligent life form around here. So Here we go. It's, uh, it's great fun. And I appreciate you, Gil. We'll see you on uh, Thursday. Yeah, hell yeah. We'll see you on Thursday at Bray Improv, baby. Thanks again, everybody, for listening. This is Alternate Take. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.